I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Nico Plowman, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. Meditation is a, is a big deal. In my life, at least, it's become a big deal. Um, I like to meditate. I meditate every day. Mostly my meditation is breathing meditation, but nonetheless I meditate. Um, I have signed up. I did sign up many, many years ago, many years ago, to one of your competitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not there anymore, but mainly because his voice is driving me mad in the end. You know the one I'm talking about? Yep, yep. Um, the English bloke. Um, yep. I just couldn't listen to his voice anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Leave me alone. But it was very good to introduce me to meditation because my, you know, my generation – is not really we're not really meditators. Yeah, you know, old school, where I come from, the area, etc. Um, meditation wasn't a go, but um, it's sort of become. It's nearly like a vitamin tablet. It's like a health food, sort of thing. Yeah, is that how you view it? Yeah, um, it's an interesting, interesting way to put it. I think it's a. I think it's a. For me, it's become an invaluable part of let's call it my health mix. You know, of Your things. regime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I have, I mean, you know, I'm now, I've just turned 50 um, and I've now been practising Vedic meditation, which I also what, teach. What, what is Vedic meditation? Yeah, it's a 20 minutes twice daily practice. We think a mantra. And um, uh, if we were just to sort of give it a simple comparison, Vedic meditation is considered one that if we live in a household and have families and jobs and those types of things, it's it's applicable on the basis of its practicality. 20 minutes in the morning. 20 minutes in the afternoon and the evening um, and we don't need to go off to a quiet place and and have everything set up for us to um, – we don't need to optimise our environment. So it suits us if we've got a busy lifestyle. The comparison to that may be techniques that are monastic, which by tradition are monastic, and so they've come from temples and monasteries sure, and those types of things. And it's a little bit like that. It's like, okay, I can, I can shave my head and do those types of things and I've got the perfect environment. And so a lot of my experience before I learned Vedic – was I tried techniques that I now understand to have been monastic and I just found that they were very difficult to integrate into my life. So, so that's t- like om and all that sort of stuff. Well, just even even techniques that maybe require you to spend more than 20 minutes, maybe just taking an hour. I mean, qigong is a more physical practice, but that is a monastic technique. So in my 30s, I was definitely exploring techniques, but I kept bouncing off a lot of them because I found that an hour was too long because I was a father and this and that sort of thing. And so I kept bouncing off things thinking I couldn't do it. I now understand that a lot of what I was trying was traditionally from monasteries. 
I think we've done what we've tried to do is take monastic techniques and bundle them up into apps and all sorts of stuff. And we can talk about some of that stuff and it's all great, but I found that I would bounce off. So I came across a technique that just suited my lifestyle, practically speaking, um, which was 20 minutes in the morning, great, get up, do it. 20 minutes in the afternoon, outside school, pick up, for instance, and get it done that way. And so, I mean, I've meditated twice a day now for nearly 12 years. Um, and so, yes, as coming back to it, that, that, that underlying foundation that I get to sit down, I close my eyes, I think a mantra very gently, it allows my mind to rest, my body follows, I release stress, I release fatigue. Um, and in a short period of time, um, I'm able to get a fair bit done physiologically. Um, when I open my eyes, I have sort of taken a bit of a pause. I've come back in what I call my conscious cinema. We might talk about that a bit more. And so when I go into my morning, things have just become a little bit ordered. I've done a little bit of filing and worked a few things out. And then I go into my day, I meet the demands of the day, get to the afternoon when I might otherwise have had a cup of coffee or a bit of sugar or something chocolate, like that, yep. chocolate, whatever it might be, that afternoon kick. And then, but instead I can sit down, do the same thing, release a bit of fatigue from the day. That sets me up for a productive end to the day and also a more, um, a more enjoyable engagement in evening and family and friends and those types of things. Um, before it would have been, let's go back 12 years, it would have been maybe it's that afternoon cup of tea or sugar or chocolate or and in the evening – Exactly. In the evening, it was a glass of wine or something else, which was a way for me to sort of get a bit relaxed, you know. Um, and so I then found that I had adopted another technique. So coming back to it, yes, it's become a fundamental part of that health mix, right? Um, definitely. If I go back 12 years or if you go back 12 mm. years before you were doing this, mm. um, you mentioned like you're probably doing the old style of thing, like as you say, yeah. Uh, Get up, go to the gym, train, rip in coffees, yep. go to work, yep. uh, get that sort of fatigue at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, think, fuck, I need a chocolate or uh, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. have, have a chocolate and um, something sweet. Uh, then you get home and you think, oh, I, do, I need a drink. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. and your partner might say, well, I need a drink too. <laughs> yep. And then you can either drink too much, you might just drink enough, um, depending on a whole lot of things. But and yep. then you've got, as you say, if you've got kids and stuff like that, it can be a bit of a nightmare. What was the thing that made you decide? Do you remember the day or the moment or the, the situation that occurred that made you think, I'm going to try this stuff out? So what I can now see is that um, – Let's just, you know, through my 20s and 30s, I was, let's say, doing research in places that felt good momentarily. And, yeah, that felt good momentarily and were, if we are doing alcohol and recreational drugs and all types of things, we are going to get an expansion of consciousness. We can actually be pretty creative. We, yeah. can, we can be bulletproof. Totally. And then, of course, the physiology has to start processing the effects of stuff that's not good for you. So we come back in our conscious cinema by the, by, by um, because of what, our brain does in response to chemicals like alcohol and drugs. Fantastic. Physiology then gets um, knocked over by that. We end up f- f- right back at the front of it. In fact, our face ends up back against the screen of our movie because we're feeling terrible. And um, but and the only way really for us to kind of alleviate that is to maybe repeat the cycle and those types of things. So 
I was in a very extreme, I'd sort of end up in quite extreme behaviour like that. It'd be like, okay, fantastic, you know, life of the party, travelling, doing all that sort of stuff. But there was another part of me that wanted to alleviate that and I would go off to somewhere like Gwyn Garner up in Queensland, Australia and do things. So there was a part of me that knew that I could be healthy but, of course, I couldn't maintain those types of things. Um, And so I think probably the research got to the point where I would open doors, I'd try certain techniques um, until eventually I met a guy called Tim Brown who lives in Paddington in Sydney. Yeah, I know of him. Right, learn to meditate with Tim. I know a lot of people go there because they're, they've hit rock, rock bottom or they're, they're completely stuffed. Oh, well, I think some people may not realise that they've hit rock bottom and they still turn up yep. and then maybe six months they're like, oh, okay, geez, that was that was good. And I would say when I met Tim, I didn't really realise where I was at. I just, I was always open and curious and um, and quite clearly at that point I was overdue for some sort of a change. Um, I learned to meditate Um and because of my application to things, and a lot of people will say this, is that if you do something and you've taken the time to learn it and you've paid for the course doing those types of things and it is in your nature to, to, to want to do things well, you're going to give it a go. And so I, I kind of realised that this simple technique was something that if I was going to start to do it and apply myself, I'd just apply myself. And so 30, 60 days in, I'd meditated twice a day and the next thing I knew I was sleeping substantially better. And um, having not really realised, you asked the question, you know, what was the sort of turning point? Well, I realised it was, of course, it was more subconscious that I learned, but about 60 to 90 days after learning to meditate, I lived at Palm Beach with my wife at the time, then Heidi, and I walked in to, I've told this story before, but I walked in one evening and Heidi said to me, she said, do you realise you haven't had a glass of wine for a week? And I hadn't even realised that the the continual twice-a-day meditation technique had allowed me to release stress, it had allowed me to release fatigue consistently. Normally I'd sort of get back up to Palm Beach and pull into the little bottle shop there and walk in and pick up a bottle of wine and go back into the house and walk in the door and pour a glass and the kids would be running around and be like, give me a moment, I'll be with you in a moment, you know, and sit down and get the glass and of wine. And put a full stop in my day, give me a chance. Give me a chance. Then, and that would be my moment to have a glass of wine and have a bit of a deep breath and go, okay, how was everybody, right? That was my little comeback um, method, which was have a glass of wine. I walked in the door and she said, you realise I haven't had a glass of wine? And I hadn't even had to actually turn around and make any hard decision about not actually drinking. It had just been that this gradual process of releasing stress and fatigue had made me feel better. The, the, that, that urge to turn around and that sort of repetitive behaviour of glass of wine, and, and it was only ever a glass, maybe two, but that, that, that was consistent just kind of evaporated. And when that, when I realised that, I thought, oh, now I can make some more conscious attempts to maybe not go to the party and not do this and stay away from social situations that were, you know, the gotchas. And also around about about a year later, my father um, died from complications um, based, you know, like he died um, from complications related to alcoholism. So I had that in my life too. So I think that you know, that sort of combination of things made me realise that it was time to, you know, um, I could happily go on with life not, you know, not, you know, not drinking things like that. So that was the turning point. It was after I'd learned at the time just learning, I was always just open-minded about doing doing different stuff. Does it turn you into a – because a lot of people might get put off by the thought, but does yeah. it turn into a non-drinker? Does, I mean – 
No, it doesn't. So you, you can still have like a social drink or whatever the word is, um, an occasional drink, etc. I didn't have a drop for five years. Right. Because I didn't even really think about it. I could ha- enjoy social situations and have a great time. Now, on occasion, now what I'd always like to say is now on occasion, if I was at a wedding a couple of weeks ago and people are toasting bride and groom, you don't turn around and go, like, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a shared experience. I'd yeah. love to have a glass of champagne because it's yeah. a beautiful celebration. And I think it's interesting to walk into situations where you don't go, oh, I don't drink anymore because that's just going to make people uncomfortable and whatever. So you don't need to do that. For a while, though, I knew that I had to just stop and and, and I did. Um, now it's just come or go, take it or leave it. But um, but but what I what what I now start to what I now know is that um, we all have the capacity to have a bloody great time, right? On. On, on the chemicals that exist in our body and those types of things because that's all really alcohol is really going to do. It's going to just elevate us in a certain way. There's other ways to elevate, right? Um, and so I've been fortunate over the last 10 years to kind of, you know, get to that place. Um, but at the same time I could see given where my father had gone and I had given it a pretty good run, 20s and 30s, living in Hong Kong, New York, all sorts of places, had, had the best time, would never, would never change a thing. But it was certainly time. It was definitely time. And look, at that point, Mark, then I decided to teach meditation, right? So I took... So did you do it like you do a course or something? Or yeah, I, I took 12 months out to um, learn with Tim Brown and tri- trips to India and I actually became a Vedic meditation teacher. Yeah, because I want to talk about Vedic. Yeah. Vedic is an Indian technique. Yes. Or is a technique out of India. Yes. And Vedic is not just um, associated with... Um, meditation. No, it's correct. associated with all sorts of things yep. that come from India. Like, yep. I mean, I... I practice a thing called Vedic mathematics, yep. um, which is an Indian form of doing math, which is different to the way Westerners do maths. Mm-hmm. Arrives at the same outcome, which is much quicker and much easier. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but so you did you go to India to study Vedic meditation? So as, as, as part of my 12-month teacher training course with Tim, we would go to India on right. retreat and go to Rishikesh and those types of things. So it was a sort of 12-month-long integrated teaching program um, and Rishikesh is kind of the, I guess it's in some ways a spiritual home of some of the teachers from that tradition. But um, I think coming back to that, once I had decided to move from what had been that entrepreneurial and I guess a combination of corporate entrepreneurial background and then sort of turn around and say, I'm going to be a Vedic meditation teacher. It was a big, it was a big deal. Identity, all sorts of questions came up in terms of, right, well, okay, I'm going to go and do this. Having made that commitment, it felt, it, it seemed that in parallel, and by the way, I was doing it quite naturally, but the change of lifestyle and those sorts of things, like, well, okay, I'm a Vedic meditation teacher and I'd made these changes. So my relationships, a lot of things were changing, but it felt incongruous to turn around and say, well, I was still going to be the life of the party as a Vedic meditation teacher. So, you know, it was a combination yeah. of things around that for so, sure. So you, you decided to become a Vedic teacher, mm. um, Vedic meditation teacher. Mm. Before I go beyond that, mm. um, Andrew, who everyone says is now talking about the science or the physiology and the chemistry mm. and the physics of what meditation does mm. to your brain. Mm. Um, and everything else and lots of other parts of your body, just at a, even at a cellular level. And as you said before, it's sort of um, a necessary part of your health regime, our, our health regimes, you know, along with um, a whole lot of other stuff like proper foods and, you know, yeah. sunlight in your eyes and making sure yeah. you sleep properly yeah. and all those sorts of things. But it's nearly becoming like a, a mandatory part of, of how the better humans live mm. on this planet. Mm. And, um, and they all tend to display 
certain look. They look a certain way. I was just looking at how healthy you look. Um, and uh, they talk about how you know calm and relaxed they are. They don't need exogenous chemistry in the form of alcohol or mm. drugs, but they can. It's endogenous chemistry because you know that's what uh, yoga or meditation does for you. What I think we fundamentally know is that if we are, I'll come back to the analogy. I've talked about the conscious cinema. Okay, so life's a movie, fantastic. It's the three hundred million dollar blockbuster. Yeah, and we created. It's it's totally self-created. Yeah. Let's you know. Let's neurologically, created, no question. Yeah. So life is a self-referral, individual universes, all that sort of thing. But if we are in, if our face is up against the screen of that movie, it's completely overwhelming, yeah. right? And so we're going to see not a movie. We're going to see distorted color. The noise is overbearing, and in that place, our physiology is not processing is processing chemicals that are, ostent, you know, ostensibly bad for us. So all of the cortisols and the adrenalines and all that sort of stuff. So the kidneys, the livers, those things are humming. And now that's not to say though that the stress response is maladaptive. The stress response is pretty important. Like if you're going to be lying there and the bear comes to the fireplace, you know, it comes into the fireplace, you need to run from the bear or kill the bear. So we know that stress is important. It's clearly a very natural evolutionary response because we it exists. But too much of it, too much of that chemical makeup leads to inflammation and leads to disease. And so at the moment, we all might live really, there's a, it, it is a pandemic of stress in terms of the fact that almost everything that is going on in our external experience is causing us all to be too stressed all the time. And so that consistent um, secretion of chemicals that make up that stress set is no, is like, it's just no good for us. Okay. What we know and, um, Maybe in the show notes we can reference studies and things like that. But what we do know is that, this, that, that, that the mind and the body in a more meditative state, in a more relaxed state, is able to release other chemicals like endorsins and serotonins and those types of things, which are going to offset the impact of all of those stress experiences. And so over time, we get to a far more balanced place, physiologically speaking. Okay. Now, what that means, though, is that, and, and also by virtue of the fact that we're releasing stress when we meditate, we are offsetting the impact of the stress chemicals, we are releasing fatigue, we are going to come back a few rows in that conscious cinema and start to see a movie with more perspective, more objectivity, more strategically. Not to say, though, that we come so far back that we lose the capacity to respond appropriately. When we need to. When we need to. And, you know, maybe that is with a teenage daughter who just, you know, needs to know that there are certain things, rules that need to be attended to. And so is that anger? Is that being firm? Are those types of things? We, we're not going to turn around and all of a sudden say, oh, well, I just get back to this place where it doesn't really matter and it's all, I'm detached. That's not, I don't think that is appropriate either. What it does mean is that when the body needs to respond, meet demands, take action, sure, there'll be a release of chemicals that actually um, produce that result, but recovery becomes how we start to, um, I feel, how we start to gauge where we're at. And often enough, a regular meditator will say, geez, I got pretty pissed off yesterday about a certain situation, but geez, I recovered quickly, almost to the point where you forgot it even happened. So what are we talking about? Wide angle lens on life, capacity to zero in very quickly, change of makeup of chemical and biology, but then a capacity to immediately recover and basically be available for the next demand that comes along. And so, yes, there is, and it's clearly that is about a whole exchange of chemicals and change of that. And I don't, I've not professed to know that on that level that, um, that, you know, that others would, but what I certainly know is that 
what, what, what we have the capacity to cultivate is broad state awareness of consciousness, see things, see a lot of information as the way that things are going on, respond appropriately, and then get back to a place where the next thing comes along, we can meet demands. Now, the problem is if we are not able to do that, we will turn around, respond in a way that is, um, it's anger, it's this, it turns into shame, it turns into guilt. And we get stuck front row for days, right? We get depressed about our behaviour. We resent, like we regret our behaviour. I feel terrible. You're off, off to Bunnings looking for the rope department. A little bit. By the way, there's a whole lot of stuff going on around which requires people to be able to respond appropriately. And that point, if you're in that physiological state and the chemicals in your body mean you just can't get out of bed, you're no good to anybody and you become a bigger part of a problem. So I think the chemical... Um, you know, that, that sort of biological, physiological equation is broadly speaking, and we can generalize about what's going on. But if we really want to get down to it, what is it that we can do to cultivate that physiological capacity to respond appropriately to months all the time? And what that then means is that what we're really talking about is the ability to cultivate an internal locus of control that is not reliant on external outcomes. That's just it to say whatever's going on out there doesn't actually impact me as much and it's going to be to certain degrees to the point where things go out there, if things don't go my way, I'm unhappy. To what extent do I, do I um, cultivate agency over my internal barometer for happiness all the time? And in my experience, that was been able to adopt a technique that allows mind to rest, the body to follow, the stress to release, the fatigue to release, and have a a twice daily experience of an inner state of being. That as I cultivate that further and further, and the foundation gets stronger. Over time, an external experience is not going to knock me too too hard, and if it does, it's it's it's, it's pretty short lived. So recovery, which means we make demands. And yeah, because what, if we don't recover, we can't respond. Can't respond. Then you become someone else's problem. And then if you don't respond, because there is a, a there has been a thing like mm. over many many years, and you hear people like even Musk, Musk, Elon Musk says it now. Oh, I only sleep five hours a night, and you know these are myths. <clears throat> myths. Yep. I mean, uh, maybe they do. They might be a, mm-hmm. a complete outlier, like like you know one in ten billion or something. Yeah. You know? yeah. But but even if he's not, he could be lying. Mm. And uh, they, mm. they build up these stories about themselves how they don't sleep at night. Possibly. And that they can live this stressful life and you think, oh, my God, I can't do it. They have either got some formula like you're talking about mm-hmm. where they recover. They've got mm. a system of recovery mm. which allows them to go get back on it like on the cortisol the next day, like stress, yep. stress, 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 yep. Yep. respond, or they're lying or mm. they're an outlier. But we as one of the, the masses, we're not, that's not us. You're not going to live that life. You can't. You'll, you'll die. Something will happen. Well, this is the point. Like it may be now that we're able to live that life, but what's the longevity of totally. that? So, you know, like playing a longer game, how does that end up? Yeah. Right? And we don't really know that. Um, and I think you're right. There might be outliers to that. I think, um, you know. Genetic maybe, outliers though. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. maybe some people just come in. The physiology is really good. You can look at people who are pretty lean. They're this, they're that. You can look at it. It's like, geez, that person just seems to have kind of got it going yeah. on, right? And they maybe don't even meditate. It well, just seems the, the, to be- yeah, and if I five hours a night, I can sleep five hours yeah, a night. Yeah, and I can take all yeah. the stress in the world. I can mm. do that. I can take mm. on 50 businesses and mm. drink piss and mm. whatever. Yeah. No, you don't have the same genetics perhaps or what? there's something different. Yeah. And I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me, whether it's Vedic meditation or whatever yeah, type totally. of meditation. Yeah, totally, whatever it is, yeah. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I've often thought about it. Are those meditations, we, we think we do meditations, that we do, when we, for example, when we go surfing or, for example, if we just completely are in the zone at something where we, nothing else can interrupt us because we're completely concentrating on what we're doing, are those meditations equivalent to, say, what you're talking about in terms of maybe a Vedic meditation or box mm. breathing for meditation? Are, are yeah. they equivalent? I th- okay, so I always have this picture of Laird Hamlin when it hasn't, when it, but there's been no swell for a, a, a month. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. been out to sea and he's, you just see that he's just not happy because he's sitting around. And I think Gabby's wife is like, hasn't, there's been no swell for three weeks. Trouble. <laughs> Laird's sitting here grumpy, right? So, and of course, people come to him and will say, listen, I surf like that's fantastic. But when there's no swell, what is it that you do? Okay. Right. And and maybe you do jujitsu, fantastic. And then you do your shoulder. So yeah. for three weeks, there's no jujitsu, right? Yeah. So, so it has less uh, uh, consequences. Vedic meditation has less consequences, physical well, consequences. Well, well, also, it's just consistent, right? Yeah. And by the way, you know, we're all playing a long game here, you know, yeah. and I was, you know, I, I, I mean, I still consider myself, I'm still pretty active, but I certainly know that at some point, some of the more physical things I do to feel good will not be as easy to do. And so I'm playing a long game here. And there's no question. That's really important to me. Mm. Okay. What Mm. you said. Mm. You can do all these activities which are meditational, has a similar effect. Fantastic. Good, good chemicals, et cetera. Beautiful. But if it's a long game, Evading meditation for 20 minutes, morning, 20 minutes, afternoon is something you can do every day. You can take, do it anywhere in the world. The rest you of can life. do it on an airplane. You can do it in the car. You can do it to 90. Up. Exactly right. You can do, yeah, correct. So it's more about the long game and really at the end of the day we should be here for the long game. We're here for the long game. And by the way, if you're also, you love your surfing but you've got to go and fly around the world for 10 days on business, you know, then okay, it's going to be in and out of gyms and this sort of thing and maybe you're going to, you know, the food's not great but, you know, you've got this consistent process that is – Allowing the mind rest, I've said it, mind rest, body follows, release, stress, fatigue, metabolize, fantastic. Take it on the road with you, okay? And so and so, if things don't line up just as we'd like to as a surfer or a skier or those types of things or, you know, you've still got this, you've just got this thing which physically is extraordinary for you. By the way, regular meditators will all say that the way that they perform, the way that they um, – you know, even if they take it into a jiu-jitsu practice, even if they take it into the ocean, right, or they take it on the tennis court. By the way, we see a lot of high-performance sports people that are meditating because it just enhances them physiologically and all that sort of thing around 
Phil Jackson, LA Lakers, I mean, Baltimore Ravens, this is the technique that these guys have all been applying and they've been successful with it. So it's a compliment to all these types of things. Um, but that's just it. Play the long game. Now, I was just saying before here, I went to Elton John with my daughters last night. There's a 75-year-old man who's jumping around on stage in extraordinary, just extraordinary to be relevant. This is just, you know, he, there was 35,000 people there last night and he is still relevant to my 17 and 15-year-old daughter. And if we think about it is, what is it that we can do to, by the way, there's two parts to this. Firstly, we maintain a, a, an element of, uh, of relevance to children, grandchildren, community, um, and by doing that, we are able to stay healthy. We also are able to extend the point at which we may need to rely on others for our health because we have decided to take back self-agency of health around meditation, technique, food, understanding that, not outsourcing that to creaking health systems, okay? And so I do think about a long game because I thought if – I think as a father I've got three daughters, 17, 15 and three, and I think if – and I, I'm very fortunate to say that my teenage daughters love spending time with me. They're not – like they're not hard to find. They're always around. We went to this great thing last night and I kept thinking if it is that just consistently over time um, that I'm still there to be able to share things with them physically – um, in terms of conversation, a little bit of wisdom along the way, that to me is maintaining some relevance to, to them as a father. And so knowing that really for 20 minutes twice a day, which is there's only there's 72 20-minute slots in a day, okay, I close my eyes, I'm allowed, you know, like I'm able to release various things. From my, by the way, I'm not just doing that because I want to feel good, and of course I do feel good, I know that what that means is that when I do open my eyes, I'm less stressed, which means I can be a more enjoyable person to be around, okay? I know that in a household environment, I then bring into that environment a less stressed physiology, so that has an effect on those around us. We get into thermodynamics and the effect of energy um, 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 energy transfer and that if we bring something to a de-excited place, the things around it are also de-excited. So if we're parents and meditating, our children benefit by virtue of the fact that we are processing stress from that unit. Yep. So there's all these benefits that come from it. So yes, it is a long game. If you are a surfer or you do jiu-jitsu or all these things we love to do, meditation will only actually make you better at them and actually enable them to do, you for, do them for longer because your body will be less inflamed. You won't get injured as quickly, right? And in the moments when there's no swell, maybe you're finding another interest, you know, and you're not sitting around walking around, you know, miserable because- Or picking up a joint. Something. Which is what a lot of people do. Because, by the way, go surfing brings you back into your conscious cinema. It's yeah. a beautiful experience. You feel great for a few days. All of a sudden, no swell and you're like, mm, 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 get a bit this, get a bit that, maybe have a drink, whatever. And a week later, you're, you're kind of front row because your only tool was this love of surfing, which, by the way, was kind of reliant on external sources. Is there a best form of meditation? So I do the box breathing. I just I do I do breathing meditation. Otherwise, I just concentrate on yep. on the breathing. But I do the you know four in uh, four seconds hold four Got seconds. It. You know you know yep. what the system is. Yep. Um, and, and and or sometimes I just do uh, Nadi Shodana, which is a yoga style of meditation. Is there formats that are better? Or, I mean, does you do Vedi because it just suits you, or did you choose that as someone who studied these things as the best form of meditation to do? I just practice Vedi because having tried, and I've. I'd almost say, I've, you know, like I don't want to generalise, but I feel like I've tried everything else, right? right? I've done Vipassana, I've been here, I've done that. I did Qigong, I've done Bikram Yoga. I mean, I've I've ticked so many boxes. So when I, when I came to it, for whatever reasons, I was still doing it a month later, three months later, 10 years later. Okay, so that's 
certainly my journey into this technique as a householder, as a father, as a this, as a business owner, it just, I could fly to Melbourne and meditate for 20 minutes. And so I just got it done. It was practical. I would never say that anything is better than anything else because I think we all have, we can all adopt techniques that suit lifestyle, time, resources, all that sort of thing. So I just do something. Do something, right? And then go on that journey and maybe you'll find something that suits you better than others. And we know that, I mean, I think, Buddhism-based practices and mindfulness are still, you know, probably the most adhered to, I would I would expect, more monastic techniques. But no, there is no best technique. Obviously, I teach Vedic meditation. I recognise that the lifestyle I'd led, the changes that I'd experienced meant that I knew a ton of people like myself who I could at least relate to and say, hey, I've done that, I've lived the lifestyle, I know what it's like, I can appreciate the challenges, do you want to give this a go? And that's what I've essentially committed to. You know, that's what I, that's what gets me up in the morning is that more people will adopt this technique. Um, but is that why you did, is that why you did Insight Timer? No. So Insight Timer came about, um, well, sorry, the purpose behind Insight Timer was, yes, how do we get meditation to more people? That was it. But right. you, you bought Insight Timer. We bought it. That's bought exactly right. So what happened was I had been teaching, um, I was extremely busy with it and my brother Christopher had also, who's the CEO and co-founder with me, he'd also learned to meditate with Tim Brown. And we were talking about it and I was so busy. I was thinking, and I'm a, you know, I knew how to do things. I've been involved in technology beforehand. I had some resources. I knew how to build websites. And I thought the thing that I thought at the time that was stopping people really following their passion in this space was how do I, how do I get up and running and have a bit of infrastructure? So we sort of thought the, the original idea was like, how do we help people who love to teach meditation be teachers? So tools, stuff like that. We both had done enough and had enough scales on our back to know that building anything from scratch was too hard mm-hmm. and so we knew it was, had to be buy, not build. And Christopher was, re, Christopher was running another business at the time. I had very much just become a teacher full time and we just started researching the market. Calm was getting going, Headspace was getting going and we came across this little app called Insight Timer. And I've I, tried it I know, I, back then. Back then. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it's the it's, it's been on the app store since 2000. Mm-hmm. It's the first app, it was the first meditation app in the store. It looked, I remember saying, and I say this with love, but it was the worst looking app in any category ever, right? Um, but it had the best sound, the best chimes. Mm-hmm. And Christopher logged in to the actual, he registered, he rang me. I remember I was standing, I was living in Paris at the time. And he said, hey, I think I've found it. There's community here. This is the one. And we went and bought it from a guy called Brad Former in the States maybe six months later. Um, and it had maybe 200,000 registered users at the time. I think we're now at 20, over 23 million. Um, there were five teachers on the platform and I think, I don't know how many we are now, 10 or 15,000. And what we decided from day one was that we felt that it was not – that, that, that meditation is about bringing things to a de-excited state, getting to a place of quiet and what you require will come to you. A wise person once said or did nothing, you know, that like just come to stillness and whatever you need is right in front of you, don't chase. So we said from day one we were never going to advertise, we would never buy a user and we were going to grow this thing organically. You know, seven years later um, we have never bought a customer. Um, our cost to acquire a customer is zero dollars. Um, it chugs along downloading ten to 15,000 downloads a day or word of mouth. That has been in the face of, and by the way, Calm Headspace, there's something like 2,500 apps, meditation apps out there. I mean, it's, it's a cluttered space. 
but more time is spent on Insight Timer than every single other one of those combined. Like we have nearly 60% market share in terms of usage and we've never- Time on, time on the- Time spent. Yeah. yeah. So your model, just well, maybe just explain the model compared to say Headspace. To begin with, it was essentially Andy Puttycomb, one voice, and that was that was the way that they went about that. That's Headspace. Um, that's Headspace. So that's Headspace. Um, and so it was pretty and, – and I believe that's now not the case. I think they now have other voices right. and other teachers. He's, I'm pretty sure he's not involved anymore. Um, and they would push – and basically it's a, a primarily a subscription model, yep. okay? What we – what what we did was we were like let's go with the marketplace model. So let's and if, you know as under resourced you kind of got a few teachers. So you run over and you just when you say marketplace you mm. mean you build a market inside timers teachers together with you is the marketplace correct? You bring in the vendors or the teachers, teachers practitioners, and then the consumers match correct. themselves up. So you yep. basically have a market. Now that wasn't that we didn't do like like we didn't. We didn't completely do away with the subscriptions because, of course, that's still a revenue source. Yep. But um, so people can come along and use the app for free. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Then if they wish to subscribe, that's additional features. But what we've also done is build a marketplace whereby, yes, practitioners and teachers can come along and um, upload content, guided meditations, courses, workshops, mentoring, and then we, of course, we needed to turn around and deliver them an audience. Okay, yep. so a lot of what we were doing back then as a you know under resourced, let's just get going app was we brush over and build supply side, right, which was teachers, practitioners, tools, and then go. Okay, now we need to go and get the consumers, get the consumers together. And so it's it, it, it was. Back did you do then. It without advertising? Yeah, we've done it with that. All work. How, did you, how how did you find the consumer? And how or did they find you? How did it work? So it's like it's anecdotal. Someone had said to. Eric Schmidt, they were talking to him about the fact that they had this business and it was all word of mouth and it was growing and he said to them, oh, well, where do your customers come from? And they said, oh, we don't know. And he goes, what a fantastic business, you know, like just they keep coming and which means it's all word of mouth, which means you're, you're, let, let's get into some of the, 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 the more fundamentals, but your quality score of a customer and how long they when they arrive, what the conversion rate is, how long they stay for based on the fact that someone has told them about it is like is high. Yeah. So then you get into retention rates and all those types of things. When someone has said do this, that's that's mostly why we go and do something, right, um, as opposed to being- It's like watching Netflix. What are you watching lately? Exactly. I, 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 exactly I'd rather right. someone tell me what to go and watch. That's exactly it. And you know, fuck around. And, and you know, rather than seeing the big ad. So so we, we felt- we always had this this idea that the conscious came before the commercial, okay, and that was that's a real that takes a lot of trust to turn and go. Okay, we're going to make a conscious decision here, and there've been conversations. People came along over the years. Hey, listen, let's just pour petrol on this thing because you've got this amazing foundation. It's grown organically, but I tell you what, with a big chunk of money, you could go and buy a ton of users. Problem is, though, you get stuck into that cycle of you know once that dries up. By the way, that drives all the all your customer acquisition costs up because you're competing with Carmen Headspace. So you've raised hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And all of a sudden, the market, you, 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 like you get outbid in terms of what your customer costs and that translates into needing to get your subscription revenues up and it just becomes and your retention. A, is it sort of it's like, a no-sum game. So, it, so there is some sugar hit. It's, it's, it's sugar sort of hit. giving a sugar hit to the business. Well, you've got that. You've got the adrenaline dripping in yeah. your arm and yeah. when that turns off, your model – has got to change. You have to, and, and so we never, never got there. You know, we have, we've been fortunate that if their levers to pull, they're fundamental business levers, which is expenses and revenue and those types of things. And so 
you just play a long game, right? And that is, um, and of course, we've seen what happens in the last 12 months. There's been, you know, the correction around valuations and all that sort of thing. Um, doesn't change what we do every day, which is that, you know, thousands of people come along and download that app and we get better at onboarding them and understanding what their needs are and, you know, and whether they're anxious or they need to sleep and we can direct them to have, you know, an optimal experience and teachers are finding audiences and keeps going. Is it AI based or are you doing it like uh, on a telephone? There, No, there is, there, there are, I guess it's AI elements and that AI is a big thing right now. Yeah, but yeah. Yes, we now have some specialists that are sort of starting to, you know, we're getting better at that. Yep. Um, and you've got to get into this privacy and there's all sorts of yeah, stuff totally. that comes with that. So. You know, we we you know we tread you know we're treading into that into that space carefully, but we have such a big library. I think we're at a hundred and I don't know now. My brother runs it, you know, um, and I'm less involved than the last few years day to day. He actually, you know, he's the CEO and there's a team and all that sort of stuff. But I think we're at 130 or 40 thousand guided meditations alone, and there's probably a backlog because we have to approve them all. I don't know what the backlog's at. Do you curate me like you say, Mark? I want to make sure you're not a you know. Yeah, that's right. You're not going to upload something. something which is going to have weird shit. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen. So imagine that's that all that process has to get has to get How taken care of. Um, I'd say now we've definitely. I think like most companies, we've paired things back. I think we we're at about seventy or eighty. Where there, it was, it was more than that. That's not a year bad. Ago. It's good. And where are they mostly located? We have teams in India. We've got um, call center in Manila, and then otherwise the teams here. My brother, Australia, and his, yeah, Australia, yeah. So right, I, mean, that's you know, cool. I mean, we're a, we're a, you know, like I consider us Australian company. Our, like our structures are Delaware and things like that, but we're not. Yeah, company. yeah. Is your revenue model you take a clip from the practitioner or you different? What? So we've got subscription. We share that with the we share that with the practitioner. Yep. Then we've got. Um, and then there's their actual direct, so they sell their courses and their um, and their mentor and those type of things. So we we basically clip in terms of just administration or something like that. Like let's say I go in there and I see you know Jess has um got a course on meditation. She's one of your practitioners, um and uh I, and it's a hundred bucks for for I can say yep. for ten weeks. Um do you do you collect the hundred bucks off me and then pay Jess? Correct. App and Android take a substantial that that that's what they do. And yeah. They, yep take pretty big commissions on that. Totally. And then separately though, and I think you can see that, like if you're a Spotify user, you would now go separately off, put your credit card details in Spotify and that's how you pay your subscription. So basically you end up doing both. Right. And, you know, there's an enormous amount of efficiency and access to market via the app stores. We know that. Yeah. That's why they are. That's I mean. They control the world. It's extraordinary ecosystems, right? But, you know, 30% you want, 15% you too. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, you're paying for that shop front. Yeah. Amazon have done it. I don't, I think everything you buy on Amazon, you've got your own credit card relationship mm. with them and you buy your services, but you can still download the Amazon app, right? Yeah. But you'll go off on Audible and pay Amazon directly. You talk about this concept of relevance. Um, mm. It's really important in your space to stay relevant. Mm. You know what? That's a very, very good question. Yeah, Insight Timer, just the name, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not cool. And when we even bought Insight Timer, we're like, oh, this is clunky and we thought about changing it and then the next thing you know, it took off and for some reason it's it, it's sort of like the it's like the comfortable place to go in meditation. Insight Timer have been around forever. We've still got the little bowl yeah, on the, yeah, on the, the brand. Bowl, yeah. I've actually got it on my yeah, – I, I still got it on my, 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 yeah. my mobile. We've, never, we've, we've just kind of never changed anything, you know, and – you know, is there, would it be possible that maybe over the next couple of years we try and make Insight Time a bit cooler and, you know, but we've done nothing really on branding and those types of things. You know, you've got to be, you. 
you know, relevance is one thing because, because you know, if, if we just talk about a cycle of things, there's a creation cycle, there's kind of a maintenance cycle, which is like living, and then there's the cycle of death and destruction, right? And so that happens with anything, whether it's a plant or a human body or a business and those types of things. So, you know, and, and, and when you're in a market that is now two and a half thousand apps deep and it's, 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 it's pretty mature, right? So what does it mean to iterate? And what does it mean for that? Now, we have had the best start to a year than we've ever had. In 2023. 2023. Wow. By every metric. What did you put that down to? You know, we spent, you know, we there were those COVID highs. We spent the, the, the time through COVID rebuilding the entire platform, getting back to technology. I think we've got a far better understanding of a user when they arrive and how we can actually onboard them. And, but, you know, for whatever reasons, the way that having rebuilt – we essentially replaced all four engines on the plane mid-flight for the last two years, which has enabled us to, to bring more feature sets through and things like that. Um, I don't think – I think we'll know more in the next couple of months about what that is, but by every metric we have just taken off. Now, I also feel that possibly – I like I wonder where the other guys are at, you know, Carmen Headspace and those guys. I certainly know that um, – I would expect Carmen Headspace are certainly spending less in advertising and those types of things. So maybe people are just, we're getting more visibility in the app stores and things like that. I would say at the moment, we're still quite comfortable with our relevance, but we wouldn't be being too complacent about that. And so what do we do about Insight Timer to refresh it? Um, it's, it's interesting you should, mm. you're saying that because you, you had a great year, but it, mm. it's not from advertising. You can't say we've been advertising better no. or spending more or whatever the no. case. So no. it's got to be something about the relevance of your 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 side or maybe yep. there's a societal change too. Correct. I do. I, I think you're absolutely right, Mark. Okay. I think, you know, is that that people are now because there was a big peak at the start of COVID. Then I think people got into a bit of malaise. They're sitting around at home on Zoom and doing yoga. Yep. And of course that that was that, that in many ways transformed our business. Then I think the last half of 2022, people are like, oh, I'm sick of being at home. They're out. They're doing other no, things. Mental. Went mental. Everyone and then, crazy. of course, maybe there's a long tail of mental health, which I think I think everyone can can see that this has been a really tough time on a lot of people with teenage daughters. I mean, you know, there's there's. I think we'll continue to um, see the you know the long term effects of lockdowns and things around the world. So we're not going to school, not seeing the not school, going to school, not seeing the school friends. So for whatever reason, and, and I don't think we yet know inside the business exactly what they are. But in saying that, um, you know, we've we've had a well, as I said, we've had a really strong start. What's a good age if you are a parent to introduce your kids to meditation? Yeah. So um, both Indian, both my older two girls learned when they were probably 10 years ago. But we say that invading meditation five years old is when a child can learn to meditate because they are easy enough to understand the concepts. They can, you know, pick up their mantra and learn it quite easily and they would meditate for five minutes a day because they're five years old. Mm. And that's just simply because they understand the concepts. Um, it doesn't mean that there aren't techniques that, a three-year-old or four-year-old can earn and um, learn. So, and you know, they're teaching this in schools and all sorts of things. So, I don't think there's any, you know, there's any set age. There's no um, age. And are you guys collecting data? Yes, it certainly helps us understand what you know where people are at around anxiety because and sleep and those sorts of things. There's, a, I mean, there's, you know, the sleep is just a huge one. I mean, problem with the sleep stuff is that people are trying to solve it on the level of the problem, which is like let's go and you know listen to something at ten o'clock at night. So you can fall asleep or put the eye mask on or listen to ambient music. It's mm. just, you know, it's basic. I mean, we should, we all have, coming back to it, we all have the absolute evolutionary capacity to rest well at night, not pass out unconscious sleep because then you're not moving when the bear comes. I'm talking about good rest 
appropriate amount of time. What I started to see was that as a Vedic meditator, I released the stress during the day, which means when I started lying down at night, I wasn't releasing stress. My kidneys weren't turning on and I'm lying there for three hours from one till four, which I did for nearly a decade, trying to take sleeping pills. I did all of it. What I've what, 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 what we do see is that the sleep thing is causing real issues, I think, around productivity, stress. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And so when we see all the sleep solutions coming out, they, I think, are never going to have much longevity to them because you need to get people releasing the stress when they're in the awake state so they can turn around and rest in the sleep state. I mean, I would almost say calm has become like as a sleep app. Yeah which is why they did the bedtime stories of Matthew McConaughey and this and that, and they got all the voices. Like, I mean, they had a billboard. I think that was the only ad we ever did that Calm may have put a big billboard when you drove out of LA to San Francisco. There was a big billboard that said, sleep better with Calm. And um, Christopher rang up and bought the billboard on the other way, which was like, um, come sleep with us for free or something. <laughs> like that. It was something like that. And it cost quite, I remember it was like, all right. And it was just a little bit of a, bit of a BQ. <laughs> but that's what they were doing. They yeah. were basically saying, come and, come and download us and sleep. Sleep's become the, the big factor. Yeah, uh, meditation has become a very, I guess, an articulated mm. uh, part of our health regime. Yep. for most of these guys, whether they're talking about longevity or whether they're talking about just how, you know, how, mm. how I can be more healthy just today. Mm. And all those things that allow you to, well, sorry, assist you to have a better sleep, namely, apart from good diet and exercise, mm. but namely uh, meditation, mm. are emerging big time. But the narrative around sleep is if you're not sleeping well, you know, people are going to start feeling bad about it, you know, like it's almost like, ooh, okay, if you're not getting seven or eight hours sleep, and you're like, no, no, you become stressed just become over that. You stressed about it. We're becoming stressed about the fact that we don't sleep enough. And that's you know, like, 100%. Because last night, like, 2 o'clock like, in the morning, <laughs> a chainsaw, yeah. somebody at 2 a.m., oh, right. rain's coming down. I heard a chainsaw right. going on. Like, and I went, what the? And I, th- and I thought, it's near me because there's not many houses where I live. Mm. And uh, it's got to be here. So, which neighbor is cutting a tree down at 2 a.m.? Yeah. And if anyone's cutting a tree down at 2 a.m., it's because they don't want anyone to know about it. But I thought, how stupid because everyone knows about it because we can all hear it. You should better off doing when I'm at work. And uh, and I did, and I, went, I was dirty, half by dirty in the morning. I thought I lost about an hour of my sleep, yeah. and I need my seven sleep. hours exactly. But here we go. Vedic meditation is the equivalent of three or four hours sleep a day. If I'm lying there and it's like I've only got three or four hours sleep at night, I'm like, okay, well, I'm meditating in the morning. I'll pick up another hour in terms of rest. In the afternoon, sometimes have a nice deep meditation and pick up another hour. And the whole yawning and getting through, even on three or four hours sleep, just evaporates because we are resting more deeply when we meditate than we're actually lying down. And there's tests to show that a wake meditative state sitting here, and if I, if you saw me meditate in the afternoon, my head's kind of down quite like this because I'm actually going into deep rest. And so that's just it. No longer is there the fretting, holy smokes, it's 3 o'clock in the morning and the kids are up or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter because I'll meditate tomorrow. And we've... I've and and by the way, sleep was a was a was a real challenge for a big part of my life because I was stressed, and so I was just processing stress at night out of those organs that that, that hold it all. And then, as you, you know, one of the you know one of the turning points apart from the alcohol one was just the whole sleep thing changed. I mean, I I um, and how good do you feel when you've had a good sleep? Well, this just it. It changes your whole life totally. Changes your life because you know when you don't. The best thing about it is a regular meditator will say they've just got the banker. It's like I'll meditate twice a day and I will be 
you might be sitting there at two o'clock in the afternoon thinking, or in the morning thinking, how am I going to get through this? 9.30 at night, you're sitting at dinner and you just haven't missed a beat. You've had three or four hours sleep, but you meditated twice. So that one around the fatigue is fantastic, which means that you don't even look at any of the sleep stuff. It's like this and that. I just ignore it because people are all of a sudden got another thing to worry about and it's taking up a third of their day. As a meditation teacher, mm. is it bad if you're doing meditation and you fall asleep? Well, if we're upright, falling asleep is, you know, we're going to do it in a way that, um, that, that, that our head nods. If we're lying down on the floor and we fall asleep yeah. and we miss the meeting... Yeah, just not no, but practical. Say, don't miss the meeting. <laughs> not, Let's all say, not all bad. It's, not all it's, bad. it's okay. It's fantastic. Your body. It, it will put me to sleep. If I'm laying down in um, after, say, doing an exercise program or, or just doing some yoga, if I'm laying on my back and I'm laying down in the you know the, the corpse pose and I start to meditate, I, I can fall asleep. Okay, and which is fine because in actual fact we're finally letting our body, look at this physiology I mean, we're sitting here. Imagine what's going on, trillion things a minute. Yeah. So we turn around and say, I'm going to get my brain out of the way and the intellect and just let my body do what it does better than anything. It'll heal, it'll repair and go off to the most expensive, you can go to the best, most expensive retreat place on the planet in Switzerland for 10 grand a day. Nothing is as valuable as the 20 minutes that you get to just turn around and let your physiology repair on its own. The The, the capacity for healing it's just we've forgotten about that. So we once again outsource out. No, forget. Don't need to outsource the thing. I go on. I go on retreat for twenty minutes twice a day. Yeah, there's no question. And so I haven't even thought about going off to some health place for a decade because it's just it's a waste of time and money. By the way, I used to literally. That's all I could think about doing by the end of the year. I'd be like, just get me to somewhere yeah. that's gonna. But I've so door. hard. Send me somewhere. That's exactly right. And let someone tell me what to do. And now I just, life's an adventure and I'll go off and take people on retreats to India and do all sorts of things and up to, I've got all, you know, it's just like give me more, let me do more, let me take action on those breaks as opposed to sitting around and that sort of thing. Yeah, but I get away from it. But, but no, resting, you know, if sleep comes through meditation, it's because the body needs it. Yeah, well, that I'm, that makes me feel better because people mm. often I used to get told by many years ago by my yoga teacher, you you got you can't fall asleep, you're not meditating properly if you're falling asleep, you got to remain conscious yeah. about what you're doing. And I used to feel unbelievable when I woke up. I, I, I felt like I was floating. Yeah, fantastic. Well, this has been fantastic. I am gonna get back into my inside timer. I really am because I'm sitting on my Good. in, in my million apps that I got on my phone. Yeah, but I'm gonna go back to it and start doing it again. I, I've been doing the. Um, uh, box breathing meditation, but yeah, I probably fantastic. might start trying to look look down and look at some other stuff, and I might even look into the Vedic stuff and, uh, and see if I can see find a Vedic practitioner on there. You're, are you on there? Well, no, because basically all Vedic meditation is taught in person. Nico, thanks very much. That was really cool, and from my point of view, really good timing because it's just something I'm investing a lot of time and effort mm. into. All this whole process of sleep, food, um, better lifestyle, yeah, long game, yeah, long game. And, uh, and meditation is, has Excellent. been part of it. Maybe I need to sort of up my game a bit because, you know, God knows I live in a pretty stressful environment. So uh, the more stress I do, perhaps perhaps the little bit longer I've got to spend on my meditation program. Yeah, possibly. And, look, I think, um, look, there's, you know, there's just no downside to that, is it? I mean, really, you know, maybe that's the way to sort of wrap the conversation up. Certainly I would feel like most people who meditate feel that the more they meditate, the more they are getting done because there's more efficiency, there's more productivity, there's more creativity. So the idea might be I'm taking 20 minutes out twice a day so I have less time. In actual fact, you are buying back so much time. That's a good way of thinking about it. Oh, I mean, you know, I've got so much to do. I think Gandhi said, and we said something like, I have so much to do today, I'm going to meditate for two hours instead of one. Come back yeah. in the conscious cinema, release the stress, release the fatigue. When I come out of meditation, 
bang, take action, it's productive, it's true, it's, there's no wasting time. And regular meditators will all say, I don't know what it is, but I've gone from doing one business to five to ten, I've got this, the children, the whole thing, I've just picked up a hobby and I'm still sitting around for three hours of my day. There's there is I, time. I, it's amazing. The efficiency is extraordinary. If I was thinking of two words, Nico, that um, mm. just two words coming on my mind from mm. the whole right. hour of this podcast, right. respond, recover, respond, recover. Respond, exactly. recover. Uh, well, even respond appropriately, mm. recover quickly, right? Yeah. So it's actually made a demand and the response is spot on. Yeah. Because it's spontaneous, it's intuitive, bang, I turn around, that's exact. So so appropriate response and then meet demands and then recover really quickly, ready for the next one. Yeah. So it's like bang. Because that bang. is life. That's life. Life is always about, you're always getting challenged. Yeah, but you got to you got to know how to recover. You recover, and so, so you can meet the challenge. Well, ultimately, what we're actually then saying is, there's nothing that overwhelms us. Mm. And if I'm you, ready, always ready. If if you get to the place where there's nothing going out there that is overwhelming, it's just information, and that information can be, be extremely challenging. It can be violent. It can be all sorts of things. But it's like interesting, 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 because what's happening is the physiology is not going into fight or flight. The physiology is going information, information. Poor, that's pretty destructive. Mm. Or geez, that's a challenge. That's but interesting. If, that's interesting. Ready to respond as opposed to thinking, oh, my God, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. My body's gone into fight or flight. I've frozen and I can't move and so someone else is going to have to come and save me from this situation. So we get to this place where unoverwhelmable. And that's that's a really that, that's a very creative place to be. And then you're available for friends, family, kids, the whole thing. You can meet all that. You can meet all that. And so then we kind of get to this place of potential. It's unlimited potential. Right? It's like, well, what capacity do we all have that we just underestimate? Like, I just think the human, we don't even understand what capacity we've got to really respond to things appropriately and just get broader and broader and broader. And that's, I've, I've sort of had a glimpse of that. And, um, and um, if, if, if it could be that more people could, you know, adopt this technique and live that type of life, it's, 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 it's extremely rewarding. Societally, I agree. Absolutely. And by the way, anyone who's watching this and, and or listening to this, this guy is in his 50s. He looks like he's about 30. So there's got to be something <laughs> in this stuff. Well, you're looking pretty good. Yourself. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.